This is the St. Marianne Cope Parish Podcast. Thanks for joining us. St. Marianne Cope Parish is the community of Catholic believers from Lakeland and Solvay, New York, located in Syracuse. Our podcast is here to help encourage and edify you in your faith. here. I'm supposed to be the techie one. We don't do podcasts. We don't do recording. This is very impressive. Um, So it's always a pleasure to come back and be with you. I know that when I come to now Mother Mary Ann Cope, St. Mary Ann Cope Parish, that's a great name. Uh, You guys are the first. That's really cool. I know that when I come here, it's going to be a great meal. I know that that's a given. It's going to be a great meal. And that was a great meal. The dessert was delicious. The the, uh, soup was delicious. Uh, I know that it's going to be warm hospitality. It's been that every single time that I've been here, you've been welcoming, you've been kind. <laughs> this guy. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I can't even talk, I can't even take it seriously. <laughs> uh, thank you. Um, I know that um, it's just going to be a, a good spirit. You have a good spirit among you. I know it's going to be a great crowd. That's really impressive. This parish is not much larger than uh, my parish on the south side in the valley. And you have consistently come here together with, I don't know how many you are, 100 and, what, 100, 120? But, uh, I mean, that's pretty good. I mean, that's impressive for, for your parish. It shows your commitment. It shows you're willing uh, to be here. It shows the great spirit that you have at your parish of St. Mary Ann Cope. So thank you. Thanks for making that commitment, and thanks to great leadership from Father Clemente and from uh, your lay leadership here at this parish. So really, it's a, uh, an honor and a privilege for me to, to be able to come back here and, uh, and be with you. So... Um, the title of this talk is Inviting Others to Meet Jesus. Inviting Others to Meet Jesus. So I'm going to start with a question. Let's look in our hearts and souls and think about this. Do I believe, do I really believe, that I have something in my faith that is so valuable that I would want to share it? Do I really believe deep in my soul, that that which I have in my faith, in my relationship with Jesus, that it is so valuable that I would want to share it with someone else. Because in my mind, I think that maybe is one of the, the major hindrances that people might have. The faith is just a thing that was given to me when I was a kid. You know, it doesn't really have that much of an impact on my life. So, you know, who cares if the, the faith spreads. It doesn't really matter all that much. But I think hopefully the answer for you, because you're here making this commitment for 29 weeks over the last three years, the answer is yes, this is valuable. This is important and it is worth sharing. Um, I was thinking about this, uh, being a priest in an era in the church when things are kind of rough, when things are declining. We're in a period of decline, but there's been plenty of periods of decline. It's not the only one. We shouldn't lose hope. I mean, that we're It's a cycle, all right? So we're not going to lose hope at all. Um, But, um, you know, why couldn't I have been a priest, you know, in the 30s when people, you know, would nod at Father in the streets and, you know, and would, oh, Father, Father, Father. Well, we still get that a little bit today, I have to be honest. People people are very nice. You know, but that was like the golden age of, you know, of being a priest and like, wow, building churches, not closing them, and, and full parishes. Like, how awesome that would have been. 
And then I thought, you know, this is where I am right now. This is where I'm meant to be. And, um, you know, maybe I'm not going to build parishes and maybe I'm not going to have full churches, but I am going to do what I can right now in this place to pass the faith on, even if it's to five people, whatever. Like my job is to keep this faith going. And so, okay, fine. If it's not going to be in front of a congregation of a thousand, it'll be in front of a congregation of a hundred. And I hope that word will go out because God willing, I gave myself to this ministry and you are doing the same. But do I believe that this faith, that the message of Jesus Christ, that, that this is valuable enough that it needs to go out to the world? And I think we believe the answer is yes. Um, <laughs> this little uh, icebreakers, uh, mints, tin here. Um, so I went to two different stores to try to find um, a, a, another version of it. So I used to have one on it uh, that uh, on one side, so there's a small side, and that side said uh, for, uh, to share, the small one, and then there was a big side, and that one said for me. <laughs> so to share, the small side, and the, the big one was to me. It should be the opposite, we would think, right? But apparently they don't make that anymore, which is good because it's a bad message. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, so I, I went to two stores to try to find one that was like that. And I used to have one because I used it for a homily once and I, I couldn't find it in my office. But, um, but I think there's, a, there's a, like a message in that. So let's pretend it says, you know, the small one says to share and the big one says for me. Because the message of the world is if you have something valuable, hold on to it. Cling to it. It's mine. And I, I, I don't want to share it because if I share it, it's going to diminish. That is not the message of the gospel. The message of the gospel is you have something valuable, this faith in Jesus Christ, this relationship with the Lord. You want to share it. You, you can't help but give it away. And in giving it, giving it away, it grows even more valuable. It, it becomes even, even more beautiful in the giving away of that message. Uh, so forget the, uh, the old icebreakers thing, you know, to share is just here, or, you know, the, the small one. I'm going to hold it to myself. No, no, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give it away. I'm going to freely open it up and, and pour that out uh, to the world because this message is that important. The faith is that valuable. I got to share it. Um, when I, um, so that, that's, a, that's an anti-example. You know, I, I like to give anti. You're going to hear another anti-example later on. Um, I'm proud of this example, which is a good example. Um, when I was in college, um, I had my appendix out. And it was perforated, and so uh, the infection had started kind of going through my body a little bit. So I was in the hospital for a week uh, on antibiotics, and I didn't eat for probably three or four days. It was, like, it was a long time. And, uh, and I couldn't drink either. They would give me ice chips, you know, like to wet my mouth, but that was it. So I'm thirsty, I'm hungry, I'm irritable. Um, some of my friends had come in to visit a couple of times. And one night, uh, my friend was there, and the nurse came in, and I said, I'm really, really, and I started try to sound desperate. I'm really, really thirsty. And she said, well, all right, it's been a few days. You know, your, your, your digestive system is starting to wake up again, so okay, we can, we can give you a little something. So she gave me this little uh, juice cup from Cisco. You know, like, like you get in a cafeteria with like tinfoil top, like this cheap little Cisco juice cup. And I opened that thing up. And I took a sip, and it was the most delicious thing I'd ever tasted in my life. And I said to my friend, you got to try this. <laughs> and he's like, Chris, it's, it's, you, why don't you have it? You haven't had anything before. No, no, really, just try it. It's, it's really good juice. He's like, I'm sure it's really good juice. Just drink the juice. I'm proud of that example because most of the examples for my life are anti-examples. So this is a good one. Like, I'm proud of the fact that I wanted to share. This was so delicious and so good that I wanted someone else to have a little taste of it. So I, I want to frame our relationship with Jesus to be like that. Our relationship with the Lord 
is so good and so delicious. Faith in Jesus is so powerful for my life and so beautiful that I cannot help but share it with others. Um, I saw a, a video from uh, uh, Penn Gillette. Uh, he's a magician, pen and teller. He's an atheist, and he, he's, he'll say it. But in the video, he, he talks about, he's, it's like a, just his face, and he's talking on YouTube like a, like a video blog or something. He says, like, what, what kind of a, of a Christian would you be? Like, what kind of a person would you be if you had something that you thought would, like, was the best thing in the world and it was, like, necessary for someone to be saved and you didn't share it? Like, what kind of a jerk <laughs> would do that? And he, he doesn't believe in Jesus at all, but he says he understands why Christians would want to share what they have. Like, if you really have something that's beautiful and you believe it's necessary for the salvation of the world, then, man, you better share it. You better get it out there. Otherwise, you're a terrible person, he says. So there's something to that. We have something that's so beautiful. we got to get it out there. And it's up to us in a, in a period of decline. I don't want to be responsible for that decline. I don't think you want to be either. You know, you're making a commitment to be here. You're making a commitment to be in church because you value your faith. So, but there's got to be a step beyond that. It's not just about showing up on Sunday. There's got to be a step beyond. I got to do my part and you got to do your part to make sure this message gets out and continues after we're gone. You know, where's the church going to be in a hundred years? I don't know, but if numbers continue like they look now, it ain't good. But I got to do my part right now. I don't know what's going to happen in a hundred years. I'm not going to be here in a hundred years unless some crazy medical advancement comes and I get to live to be 300. I hope not. I hope not. I um, but, you know, I don't know what's going to happen then, but I know what's going to happen now. What's going to happen now is I'm going to do the best. I'm going to pass on the faith to the best of my ability. I'm going I'm to live my faith to the best of my ability. I'm going to be joyful about it, and I'm going to give it away as much as I can. That's all I can do. I have no control over the future. I have control over right now. The gospel is all about evangelization. That's, that's why it was written. It was written to get the word out there. So they, they, they didn't uh, write the story down at first. They, they talked about it. They talked about it for a long time, actually, before they started writing. I think the, the first gospel, the gospel of Mark, is written like, maybe correct me if I'm wrong, 64? Yeah. All right. Hey, yeah, that's pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> I took a guess. <laughs> So it's, uh, it's, it, it takes a little while. It takes about 30 years uh, after uh, the death and resurrection of Jesus for them to start writing these words down. They passed it on by word of mouth. Uh, St. Paul was writing earlier than that. His, his letters are written to churches that he's already gone to and talked to. He's already preached to them. He's already introduced them to Jesus. And then he sends letters later on to follow up. But word of mouth is how it happened originally. And then they wrote the Gospels down and then it was passed on. And now we have the benefit of having this written down for us. Uh, but it was word of mouth. It was, it was passed on uh, by tradition, by oral tradition. Uh, and I think now we might run the risk of losing that very beautiful aspect of Christianity. In the early church, that's how they did it. And now, you know, we can say just, you know, here, I want to introduce you to Jesus. Just read this. Here, take this. Okay, I mean, that's, that's good. It's, it's a start. But how about giving that witness, that testimony from my life with my own words, not Matthew's words, from 2,000 years ago, but my words, the gospel of, of today, of me, of what Jesus has done for my life, the good news of my life, and what Jesus has done for me. That's a powerful, powerful thing. It's how they did it in the early church, and it's how we can do it now. Uh, there's a couple of examples here. I'm just going to pull out a couple of scripture verses for you. This is uh, Gospel of John. Um, this is John the Baptist's testimony. 
The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He is the one of whom I said, A man is coming after me who ranks ahead of me because he existed before me. And he goes on and on. Um, John the Baptist existed to point to Jesus. His, his whole ministry is pointing to someone else. Imagine that. Imagine living your life, not for yourself, but to point to another. Blessed Mother, her whole existence is for her son. Everything she did, her, her whole yes to God was for her son, for the sake of, of, of that message and that word getting out to the world. Um, we have a couple of uh, the call stories uh, in the gospel. Here's the gospel of Matthew. Uh, Matthew 4. Got to find my page here. Matthew 4, 18. As he was walking by the Sea of Galilee, Jesus saw two brothers, Simon, who was called Peter, and his brother Andrew, casting a net into the sea. They were fishermen. He said to them, Come after me, and I will make you fishers of men. Um, that's not the quote I wanted, actually. <laughs> not the verse I wanted. I mean, it's a nice story. What I really wanted, actually, and so I didn't pull the right one up, is when, um, so first Andrew hears the preaching of Jesus. And he does his thing, and he hears Jesus, and he likes it. And then he goes to Simon Peter, and he's the one who introduces Simon Peter and Jesus. He, he's the one who is sort of the, the bridge between them. But he first heard, and then he called someone else. That's the point I wanted to make. I don't know why I picked that verse. It was the wrong one. Um, but the, the point is that, that we are first called, and then we go out on behalf of Jesus to call others. Uh, the Pope is... Um, I'm going to test your Latin here. Pontifex is a, is a word that is used for the Pope. The Pontifex Maximus. So we know Maximus is big, highest. What's Pontifex mean? We call him the Roman Pontiff. Any Latin scholars? <laughs> Father Clemente. What's what? Bridge. <laughs> bridge, yeah. So the word, the word pons pontis means bridge. So pont. And then fex comes from the word uh, to make. Uh, facere, I think, or, or something like that in Latin. Facere. Uh, Facere in Latin. So, pons, bridge maker, bridge builder. So the, the pontifex, the, the pope, really his, his main job is to be a bridge. A bridge to what? A, a bridge to Jesus. Guess what? That's our job too. We're meant to be bridge builders. We're meant to be a bridge to Jesus for people. Um, in the Gospel of John, he has, uh, Jesus has these sort of chains that, 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 he, that he talks about. I'll, I'll tell you what I mean. Um, as the Father has sent me, so I send you. Okay, a chain. So first, he is sent out, and then he preaches to us, and then we are sent out. There's a couple other examples of that. Um, uh, whoever, whoever receives you receives me. The chain works the other way, too. So the, the disciples of Jesus are meant to be the, the middle link in the chain, the bridge between uh, the people that haven't heard and him. So we are that. We are that, that link in the chain. We are that bridge. And I, I think it's really important for us to, to consider ourselves uh, a bridge for people and, and also to consider how we might be an anti-bridge, how we might not be a good bridge for people. Maybe, you know, there, there could be some things about our lives that have to grow, that we have to grow beyond in order to be better, bridge, better bridges for, for the Lord. Um, you know, maybe, maybe, maybe I'm not all that joy-filled in my practice of the faith. Maybe I'm kind of, you know, maybe I don't, I'm not filled with the joy of Christ. Yeah, God loves you. Yeah, 
Uh, maybe a little joy, a little smile, maybe a little, a little enthusiasm about, about the Lord will, will go a long way for us to be the link in the chain, for us to be the bridge. Um, you know, as Pope Francis said it himself, when you come out of church, don't have a sourpuss. If you have a sourpuss, no one's going to want to know what happened in there. They're going to be like, oh, boy, what happened in there? My God. Right? So to have a smile on our face when we walk out of church because we just heard the good news, and it's good news. And it impacted my life. It impacted my heart and my soul. I received the Eucharist, the, the, the very presence of God. And we should show it with the way that we live our lives when we walk out of church. I think that's a, a great message from our Holy Father, from our pontifex, our pontiff, our, our bridge uh, to the Lord. So it's an it's a important thing for us to consider. So maybe to reflect on in our lives, how am I a bridge and how am I an anti-bridge? How, how, how am I possibly d destroying that link between somebody else and Jesus? Maybe, maybe I'm... You know, at work, you know, people know that I'm a, that I'm a Catholic at work, and but man, I don't seem like a Catholic the way that I'm doing things. People are like, whoa, you're you're a Christian? All right, oh, well, I didn't know Christians could do that. Well, actually, they can't, but I'm, that's how I'm living. So, <laughs> right. So maybe considering how we can be better bridges, like the Pope is supposed to be, like every baptized Christian is supposed to be, because we have something that's worth sharing, and we have to share it. Um, we never know when the opportunity will present itself to talk about Jesus, to, to give witness to Jesus. Um, I heard them called once divine appointments. You know, God makes an appointment for us, uh, unbeknownst to us. So in the Gospels, Jesus tells his disciples, do not worry about what you're going to say. I will give it to you. I will, I will provide for you what you need in the moment that you need it. So don't worry about it. Now, that doesn't necessarily apply to homilies, because I think we should probably prepare for a homily and not just go on the spur of the moment. But um, he does say he'll provide. So in those moments when maybe we don't prepare as well, he provides. Um, but um, the divine appointment, God makes the appointment sometimes for us. And it could be anytime and anywhere. And we might not know what's coming. And then all of a sudden we realize, wait a minute, this is the moment. What am I going to say? Oh, don't worry. Let God provide. Speak from the heart. Speak about um, who Jesus is. That's it. You know, you know Jesus. You know him. You've been doing this for 29 weeks, but you've been living the faith for many years, I presume. Even if it's only a couple of years, you know who Jesus is. Uh, so when the divine appointment comes, it can happen anytime and anywhere. It happens on airplanes, especially if you fly in a collar. We get a lot of divine appointments on an airplane, and you're stuck there. So we're, we're having this appointment, whether we like it or not. Uh, it happens at the checkout line in grocery stores. I, I, um, I wasn't in a collar. I don't know even how this came about, but the... The cashier actually sees on the opportunity, and uh, she said something to me. She said, um, I think as I said, um, I said, God bless uh, when, I, when I left. I wasn't in a collar. I was just in normal clothes. And she said, oh, you said God bless. And she said, do you, know, do you know Jesus? And I was like, whoa, like that's like awfully forward of her to, to say that, right? Like, but I'm like, I, as a matter of fact, I do. And so we started talking for a minute. There was a line, so we couldn't go too long. But now every time I go in, I, I talk to her for a little bit. She's a, she's a Christian. She's not a Catholic. But she loves Jesus. I have no doubt about that. I, she loves the Lord. And it was beautiful to have that, that moment. But she was the one who was sharing her faith. You know, and, and I applaud that. And I think, I think Protestants do that better than we do at times. They're not ashamed to get out there and say, look, do you know Jesus? Is he in your life? Does he matter to you? So we can learn something from them. Anti-example here. Um, if you ever go to SU Games... There's always that one guy on the corner who's got a sign and a megaphone and he's shouting about hell and about fire and about your evil and your, your sinners. 
all right, I mean, maybe there's, you know, maybe that will speak to some people, but it probably will not speak to most. So maybe, maybe that's, not, that's not the way I would approach it. Because <laughs> I don't know how, you know, the drunk college kids are going <laughs> to, they're really able to receive anything at that moment. So we're like, all right. Um, but but I, the way the cashier did it was so, it was just so gentle and so real. She's like, oh, do you, do you know Jesus? It was, and it really came from her heart. I, and and it, was a, it was a beautiful moment. Um, and so that one-on-one -on -one evangelization, that one-on-one -on -one introducing someone to Jesus, do you know him? You know, and and if, if he is your friend, you would introduce someone else to your friends, your close friends. Just So introduce Jesus to, to somebody just like you would introduce a friend. This is, this is Jesus, and this is why he's important to me. Um, just this morning, here's another anti-example. Just this morning this happened. So on Wednesday mornings, I go to Emmaus Ministry. It's an outreach ministry for the poor, hungry, homeless in our community. And... It's, it's kind of hard for me to go, actually, because I don't do anything. I, don't, like, I would love to be cleaning tables, to be cooking. To, like, I just, it's hard for me to sit still for too long. But that's not my job. My job is not to clean and cook. My job is to just talk to people, just to be with people, to see Christ in them and hopefully to ha help them to see Christ in me. It's a challenge for me, but I do it. Uh, so this particular morning, this morning, I was uh, having my cup of coffee, and I sat down with a woman who I have a good rapport with. I've talked to her many times. She is a, a Christian woman. And we were talking, I don't even know how it came up, but we got into a discussion about whether Jesus is God. And so naturally, I take the position that Jesus is God. And she said, well, Jesus is the Son of God. And I said, well, yes, he is, but Jesus is God. No, God, the Father is God. Well, Jesus is God. Well, so we're going back and forth. And, and eventually, I just asked her, I said, do you worship Jesus? And she said, yes, I worship Jesus. I should have stopped there. Because she, clearly, she knew Jesus. She had a, maybe she couldn't articulate the theology of Jesus and the divinity of Jesus, but I just kept going. And for like 45 minutes, we were having this back and forth, and I'm trying to explain the Trinity and trying to explain the, I didn't say hypostatic union, but I was, that, that's the Jesus is God and man. That's the formal way to say it. I didn't use those words, but I was trying to explain it. And then after I left there, I'm thinking to myself, what is your problem? Like, who cares about the, the intricate theological language? Like, that's for me. But that wasn't really for her at that moment. She, she knows Jesus. She loves Jesus. I just got a little zealous for, uh, for the theology part. But, you know, we don't have to explain theology to people. So I, that's, that's why it's an anti-example. Someone knows Jesus and loves Jesus, they're, they're on their way. They're on their way. They, they're, they're getting to know the, the Savior, and that's important. Um, <laughs> I felt like St. Nicholas, though. Uh, I don't know if you know this story. So St. Nick, you know, good old jolly old St. Nick. Do you know he punched a guy at the Council of Nicaea? Yeah, Literally. <laughs> Maybe slapped, but still, we'll call it punch because it sounds more, uh, <laughs> more forceful. Yeah, so they had, at the Council of Nicaea in 325, thank you, wow. Yeah. Uh, I just Father Clemente, and we got some competition over here. Uh, at the Council of Nicaea, they were arguing over the uh, divinity of Jesus. Is he God? Is he man? Is he both? Is he neither? What's going on? And St. Nicholas got sick of it, and he slapped somebody. <laughs> so I felt like him, in a sense, like zealous for this like, articulation of theology, but it didn't really matter. What mattered is that she loved Jesus, she worshipped Jesus, and she knew who Jesus was in her life. So if, when it comes time for that divine appointment, and it comes time to share this thing that you know is valuable, this thing that is important to your life, don't worry about the theology of it. You know, we can work that out in, in other places. But uh, what matters is who is this Jesus and why is he important to you? That's, that's really, I think, the way to share 
Jesus and to introduce Jesus to others. Who is Jesus and why is he important to you? Um, the man born blind. After he was healed, he went out and told people. He said, this Jesus, you know, I, I was blind, but now I can see. Amazing Grace uses that, 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 that lyric. Um, I was blind, but now I see. That's what he knows about Jesus. He doesn't know Jesus is God, a man. He doesn't know the Trinity. He, I was blind, and now I see. All right. He, he introduced Jesus to people. The Samaritan woman at the well. So, you know, that encounter that he has, we'll hear it during Lent this year. It's a beautiful gospel. She's at the well getting water in midday. Midday is telling because it means that she doesn't want to see anybody because midday is hot. Why would you ever do physical labor in the middle of the day? But she chooses that time because she doesn't want to see anybody. She wants to avoid all these other gossipy, chatty women. So she, uh, she goes in the midday and she's going to get her water and she's like, I can't talk to these people right now because she's had however many, seven husbands. And she meets Jesus there and they talk. And Jesus slowly starts to open that up from her. Like, tell me about your husband. Well, uh, I don't have a husband. You're right, you don't have a husband because you've had seven husbands. And he like, just goes on and on with, it, with her. And then after the conversation is over, she wants that living water from Jesus. And then once, the, once the, the thing ends, she goes back into town and she says, let me tell you about this man that told me everything about myself. It changed her and she went. She didn't talk about the hypostatic union. She didn't talk about the Trinity. She didn't talk about you know, the intricacies of how the resurrection was going to work or whatever. No. He told me everything about myself. He opened myself up to me and helped me to see myself. I was blind, but now I see. I think that's the way to share Jesus. That's the way to do that one-on-one -on -one thing. It ain't easy. It's a risk. It's a risk. You know, you might get ridiculed. Oh, he's a Jesus freak. Oh, she's obsessed. Oh, well, whatever. I can only do my part right now to pass that faith on. It's so important to me. It's so valuable to me. It's so important to you. It's so valuable to you. You can't help but share it. It's a delicious fruit punch from a Cisco plastic cup with tinfoil on the top. It's just so good. You can't help it. You got to give it away. Uh, so I just uh, ask for the, the strength uh, and the courage from the Lord to risk rejection because we will be rejected. Jesus was rejected. We know that. But the courage to, to share that faith, to share the beauty of, of what God has done for me. And maybe that's also the important thing is to, is to reflect on what has Jesus done for me? Because no doubt he, he's, he's brought some healing into our lives. That, that's what he does. You, you can't help it. When you draw close to Jesus, you become whole. All those encounters in the scripture, people became whole because of their closeness to Jesus. And it's not that he's going to solve every problem in our lives. It's not on this earth. That's not what it's all about. It's about that wholeness that will lead us to the kingdom. But there is always going to be something that Jesus makes whole in us, always. And uh, I think looking for that part that he's made whole within us and being able to articulate it. Now, some things are very personal, right? And you can't, you're not going to meet a stranger at the, at the grocery store and say, you know, I, I had a terrible divorce and, you know, my kids were, it was a terrible situation and, and now I'm good. <laughs> like, you're not, probably like, they're like, well, okay, like it's a little bit much. Like, let's just <laughs> dial it back a little bit, right? But there is something that we can share. There always is. There's got to be something that he has done in my life that I, can, that I can give to someone else so that they can see too. I was blind, but now I see. He told me everything about myself, and now I'm different. Uh, to be a bridge, we're going to have to be different than we were before, to recognize growth and change and to reflect on our lives and see what has been made whole and what has been uh, made well by Jesus.
So we pray for the courage to be able to do it and to risk rejection. We pray for the insight into our lives to see in our soul where he's made us whole. Uh, and we pray for the patience for that divine appointment because it will come probably at an inconvenient time. You're like, I got to go, but wait a minute. This is the call. This is the moment. This is the person Jesus put in front of me to introduce uh, to him. So uh, we pray for, for that courage, that strength. We pray for the church as uh, we go forward. We pray that through us, people will hear the good news that because we love Jesus, they will come to know him too. We pray that we are good bridges to Jesus, links in that chain, that people will come to know him through us, through the joy of our lives, through the peace that we have in our hearts and souls, through the wholeness that Jesus has given to us. We pray that um, the faith will blossom in this time, even in this period of decline. And not on our watch, Lord, not on our watch will it die. We pray that uh, we will be given all the tools that we need, all the strength, all the grace that we need to be effective witnesses to this great news, not just good news, but great news, this great news of our salvation, this great news that, that death doesn't have power over us, this great news that the darkness of this world will not overtake the light, the great news that there is new life that is to come, the great news that all of the crosses that we carry will be redeemed and resurrected great news that Jesus is Lord. We pray, Lord, that you will help us to give that good news and to live it in our lives, to believe it firmly, and to value it so much that we can't help but give it away. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. amen. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, amen. Thanks, folks. Thanks for joining us on the St. Marian Cope Parish Podcast. If you have questions about St. Marian Cope Parish, our locations, or any of our ministries, visit us online at stmariancope.org.